Welcome to Keeping Secrets. I'm Vir Koto. Keeping Secrets is a web series produced by Dating Kinky about the intersection of kink and privacy. In this series, we'll be talking about the hidden dangers, hidden allies, and practical steps you can take to protect yourself and your community. We give you the information and tools to make informed decisions that are right for you. These webinars are recorded live and then released as a podcast. So if you're interested in participating and you're comfortable sharing, you can join us for questions just like these amazing people are here tonight. I am your host, Vir Koto. I am a geek, a kinkster, and a privacy advocate. You can check out my very old website at virkoto.com. You can email me at vir at virkoto.com or I'm on FetLife as Virkoto all one word. The opinions expressed in this series are my own. Your mileage may vary. Consult your doctor if after taking my advice, you have an erection that lasts more than four hours. So let's talk about spring cleaning. As we head into April, uh, so it's March. I don't know what it is about this system that it hates my microphone. As we head into April, it's time to think about spring cleaning, uh, and that's a great time to clean up our online presence. So we'll be discussing why this is important and give you a step-by-step -step guide on how to do that. It's all about the crumbs we leave behind, things we do online, leave a trail of breadcrumbs, Every text we send, every email we click on, every time we like a post or swipe right, that is recorded somewhere. There's a saying, there's no cloud, only someone else's computer. And all of our activities that feel so private and intimate are actually tracked and monitored carefully on some big corporate computer. And the more information someone has about you, the more dangerous they, that information is when it comes to our privacy as kinksters. And because of the dangers of being outed and the way that that could affect our livelihood, our friendships, our personal relationships, and potentially even our custody of our children, we have to protect that privacy. So our goal in the spring cleanup is to clean up those breadcrumbs um, at least as much as we can, and to try to stop spreading uh, breadcrumbs unintentionally. So, uh, obviously, the, the thing we could try to do is just delete all of our old apps, but uh, deleting our old apps uh, will only help with new data. But we want to also clean up things we've done in the past, uh, or at least gain some control over that data. So, uh, we're not just going to delete apps, although we will be deleting apps. Uh, we're going to take a more organized approach with a spring cleaning checklist. Yes, so cleaning often comes with a cleaning checklist. So we're going to make our own cleaning checklist for our online spring cleaning uh, privacy cleanup. Um, so we're going to need to do some backups to make sure we can get uh, access to our old data. We're going to update uh, our information on old accounts. Uh, we're going to try to delete accounts that we don't need old accounts. Um, we're going to try to review, delete, or at least restrict some apps that may be lingering and collecting data about us. 
and then we're going to collect, uh, check our identity to uh, make sure that uh, our, our identity hasn't been stolen. So you could stop here <laughs> if this is the, this is the list, uh, but hopefully you'll stick around and we'll talk about how exactly uh, you can do some of this. So I know we're talking about cleaning. And so what does cleaning have to do with backups? It seems a little counterintuitive that we're trying to reduce your footprint. And I'm saying, well, now it's time to back up all your data. But the fact is that alongside privacy, uh, most of us are going to at some point want or need a copy of our data. And especially if we start deleting old accounts, um, we're going to want copies of that data, or at least we might. And anyway, it's a good policy to have a backup of your PC and your phone. Um, if you're using uh, big companies like Google, Microsoft, Apple, um, they also have the option to back up your data locally, meaning to your computer. Um, so you're going to want to do that. Backing up your PC or phone is a bit tricky. Uh, I wish I had the time to go into all the specifics about how to back up your PC. Uh, that has a lot to do with what operating system it's running and how comfortable you are with cloud services versus local services and all of that. So because of that being so tricky and so personal, I'm just going to say that you should find some backup solution that you like. And as long as that backup solution works for you, that's the backup solution you should use. Um, hopefully, it'll have encryption and some other um, privacy enhancing things. Uh, we've talked about the value of encryption in previous episodes. So whatever um, option you choose, unless it is a, a USB hard drive that you keep on your desk, make sure that if it's a cloud service, it's encrypted. But otherwise, the most important backup solution is the backup solution, or the best backup solution is the backup solution that you use. Um, and this is, a, lastly, a really important uh, part. Backups are great, but you need to test that you can actually restore from backup. Uh, I cannot tell you how many people that I know who thought they were doing backups, and then it came time to restore their data, and then they couldn't restore. So uh, you need to test not only the ability to, to take backups, but also to restore at least a few of those files just as an experiment. So do a backup, take some test files, test that you can restore old copies, um, and maybe you know, test that you can restore them somewhere else or back on your computer, whatever that looks like. But that is a crucial, crucial part of having backups is testing that restore. I, I know I've emphasized it several times now, but uh, this has happened to several people. It's also happened to me. Uh, you think you're good, but then you can't actually go back and grab your old data. So doing backups, that's our first part of our checklist. Uh, the next part is updating old accounts. If you're anything like me, uh, talking about spring cleaning, you probably have a closet full of junk, things that you bought once and then put away and that you know you never used and you never pulled that out of the closet again. So if that's you, and it certainly is me, then you probably also have a bunch of old accounts that you made on a bunch of services that you never logged into again. 
And the problem with that is that these accounts and services can come and bite you in the behind. Uh, you know, the way this can happen is maybe the account is hacked, maybe the whole website is hacked, then they get in there. Um, if it's an account where they can uh, talk to other people, they'll start doing scams. If they get access to your to your password, then they start logging into other um, services. So, for example, now they have the password to your to uh, oh I don't know, let's just say a photo app, but then they use that to log that they you're using the same email. They use that to log into your email. Now your email is used to verify your accounts. So now they can see what kind of accounts you have. They do password recovery, um, and now they can uh, change the password password on all kinds of services, or they can learn all kinds of things about you. Um, or maybe it's a service that uh, you know you used once, and it, it just has information about um, you know maybe a kink purchase. Uh, you, you just you just want to keep as few breadcrumbs out there as you can. Um, so uh, we want to we want to get control over those old accounts. Uh, but since most of us have hundreds and hundreds of accounts it can be overwhelming to know where to start. So I'm going to give you an order of where to start in order of priority. So number one, highest priority, number six, lowest priority. Your first priority needs to be your email account or email accounts. If you have multiple email accounts, uh, and many of us do, then the email account you want to focus on first is the email account used by your bank and other serious things, right? So if your work, uh, if you if you if you communicate with your work via your personal email, if you use this email for your banking or for other you know bills, uh, you know the taxes, that's the email address you want to focus on first. If you have a kink email address, hey, that's super important. But let's focus on the really really important stuff first. Um, so. Um, you know, the, the thing you want to do is you want to make sure that you can log in to that account. Um, so if you can't, for example, let's say you've lost that password, you want to go through that password recovery mechanism. Um, you want to make sure that if they have information about you, that it is correct information. Um, sometimes it'll show where the last login was. If, if you haven't logged in there in a long time, but it turns out that it says that you've just logged in yesterday, well, that's a sign that maybe somebody is doing something with your account. Um, you want to make sure that you have a good and unique password. Um, so we did in, in April of 2021, we did a whole episode called Securing Your Accounts. Go back, check out that episode, and we have an in-depth discussion on how to get good password management. Um, so you really want to just get control over these accounts. And while you're doing that, make sure that make sure that they're in your password system, make sure that you can log in, make sure that they're unique, right? So that you're not reusing passwords. Um, so once you've done your email, the next thing you want to do is your bank and your finance. Um, so what I mean by finance is taxes, uh, if you have uh, a retirement account, or things like peer-to-peer -peer payments like Facebook, I'm sorry, like PayPal, uh, Venmo, 
um, and whatever. Make sure that you can log into those accounts. Make sure that the information, especially by your bank, is current and accurate. Um, that the email address that they have for you is the current email address, or the one that you've just secured. Um, so make sure all of that is is up to date. And also, you know, if these if the email provider and or the bank provider supports two-factor authentication. 100% you should be using two-factor authentication with these accounts. Um, you know, that's really important. So after you've done your email and your bank, uh, go for your social media and uh, your medical accounts. Um, I know that's a weird thing to lump together, but both of them contain a lot of sensitive data. So if you have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok, or even a FetLife account, just make sure that you can log in, that your you know your password is good, two-factor authentication, all the same stuff. Um, making sure that you know all that information, uh, especially on the medical side, is up to date, and that at least for the kink account, um, or sorry for the social media account, that you can uh, recover your account if uh, if you need to. Moving down the list, check your instant messengers and dating sites. So. Um, Check your OkCupid, your Match.com, and most importantly, your Dating Kinky account. Um, also, uh, your Signal, uh, WhatsApp, Kick, and any other instant messenger you may use. Um, a lot of these, um, these apps also provide sort of a secondary password mechanism. Um, if you want to set that up, that's great. And uh, if you're using an instant messenger or you want to think about using a different one, we did an entire episode on instant messengers so uh, you may want to check that out too and then number five we have sites that contain photos and writings um, photos are a topic we've covered many times on the, in the series but uh, i think that people often forget the kind of information they put down in writings so if you use uh, some kind of note app and you're writing down people's names phone numbers or commentary um, that kind of information can be quite sensitive too. So uh, just keep that in mind. And in October of last year, we did an entire episode on securely storing documents and photos. So if you haven't already checked that out, check out that episode too. Um, so we're giving you lots of options for um, you know, storing these sensitive documents. Once you've done those five, just go for everything else, right? Every account. Um, so we're just going to cover what we mean by cleaning them out. Um, as I said, make sure that you can log in. If you can't log in, do the whole password recovery, account recovery thing. Um, if it's something where your information really does need to be accurate, so like your bank, make sure that you're, make sure that they've got your current address, make sure they've got your current phone number. Um, and um, once you have logged in, you know, just be sure that the password is still good, the password is secure, it's nice and long, it's nice and complicated. If you can, turn on two-factor authentication, make sure the password's in your password manager, and so on. So how do we find these old accounts? Um, well, the first thing that I recommend doing is going to, if you use the sign in with Google or sign in with Facebook or whatever, go to Google, Facebook, uh, look for the signed in with or linked accounts. 
Um, so those are a good way of looking for uh, accounts that you may have uh, connected. Um, go through your password manager. Um, oftentimes the browser will kind of act as your default password manager and you might find accounts that you didn't even remember setting up there. Um, if you want to, I find going through old emails can be a good way. So search for terms like account, login, or welcome. Uh, that will help you find those accounts that maybe you set up once and totally forgot about. And also, I think this is important, check out Have You Been Pwned? It's a website that looks for your personal data. So you can put in things like your email address um, and it will tell you if that email address is part of a break-in. So uh, meaning that your information has been leaked and that's a honestly a good way of finding um, who may have your information and how it may have gotten out of your hands. So those are some great ways of finding out um, where those old accounts are. Once you find them, again, clean them up. And once again, um, start with the email, the bank, social media, dating, photos, and everything else. So look at this, just a few moments. We have gone through backups uh, and we've gone through updating your old accounts. Now it's time to delete <laughs> some old accounts. So look, uh, updating is great. Uh, but ideally, if we're not using an account anymore, uh, we should delete that account. Um, that, it, that account just existing out there can cause all kinds of problems. It's a risk for being leaked. It's a risk for being taken over by another company. It's a risk for being hacked. It's just, there's no point to it. There's no point in having it out there if we're not using it. So start off, <laughs> go to that account. Uh, oftentimes a website will have a, your account or your profile or some other thing and uh, buried in your settings will be some kind of delete option. Uh, I recommend that if it's a site that you might, th that you think you might uh, have put some information on, try to get a backup of your data first, but just delete your account. Um, so sometimes account, uh, sometimes sites will let you do that and other times they won't. So um, you may need to, uh, if, you've, if you've used uh, Facebook or Twitter or uh, Google to, uh, as your quote unquote authentication, um, you can unlink that account. It's not as good as uh, deleting, but you can start with that. And oftentimes uh, if you look on their website, they'll have a way of contacting them. Um, and so you'll wanna, you'll wanna just contact them. But uh, again, if they won't let you delete your account, then at least disconnect the access from Google, Facebook. Um, go ahead and delete the data in the app that may or may not actually delete it from their server, but it will probably delete it from at least part of the server. So if someone does break in, they're less likely to have access to it. So at least you can start there. Um, and you know, if they won't let you delete it, choose a very good password, you know, try to, try to improve the authentication, improve your password, make that a little bit harder. Um, and uh, again, you can request deletion. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about your legal rights in terms of requesting an account being deleted, um, because it is something that oftentimes, even if they won't um, publicize, you can simply uh, email them and they are often, 
not always, but often legally obligated to fulfill that request. So you have legal rights around deletion. Um, in the California Consumer Privacy, uh, Privacy Act, there is an explicit right to delete. So you can exercise that right if you're in California. You can say, hey, I'm in California. I want to delete my account. And they have to do that. Uh, Virginia has a um, similar sort of bill. It's not as well known as the California bill. But you also have the right to request deletion of your account. Um, the Canadian C-27 has uh, Bill C-27 in Canada, has the right to erasure, so um, the right for your data to be removed. Uh, the European GDPR, same thing. You have a right, they call it the right to be forgotten. Um, and if you request it under those laws, um, they're supposed to go ahead and delete that for you. That's their, that's their legal obligation. Um, be aware that, of course, if you do that, you can't you can't get your data back. Right? You've made a, a legal request. So if, if they're fulfilling it, it's really gone. Um, if you're a little bit lazy or you need some help, there are account there are sites that will help you do that. So uh, justdelete.me, AccountKiller, uh, easyoptouts.com, and do not pay.com will each uh, help you with that process. Um, they will either automate or semi-automate the process of helping you delete the, your accounts. Uh, highly recommend that you take advantage of those if, uh, you know, if you have more than a few accounts or uh, you find that process either time consuming or intimidating, uh, don't be intimidated. Just, you know, have these service, one of these services uh, help you with that it'll make it a lot easier. All right, well, we've gone through three of the five already. So we've done backups, we've done updating your old accounts, uh, deleting your old accounts, um, and now we're gonna talk about cleaning up uh, your apps. So that means review, delete, or restrict uh, apps. So uh, the next step here is to remove unnecessary apps from your phone or your computer. I think, again, all of us have the experience, a lot like our closet, of looking in our phone and seeing pages and pages of apps that we don't use. Maybe they're, maybe we downloaded them at some point. We don't even remember when we installed them or what, what, what we were thinking, but there they are. So I recommend, as we're doing our spring cleaning, that you go through your phone and remove apps that you don't use. Um, and in addition to the apps that you don't use, here are uh, a few of the apps that I think have the worst policies in terms of privacy, and I recommend deleting uh, immediately. So that is uh, Microsoft Edge, Google Chrome, any flashlight app that you might have, just delete that. Any QR code scanner app, yeah, delete that too. Um, and maybe more controversially, I recommend deleting TikTok off your phone and remove Facebook off your phone. Um, I know that people are going to say, but I use Facebook and I use TikTok, and that's fine, and you can use the uh, web versions of both, but the app, the apps for both Facebook and TikTok are a privacy nightmare. Um, I'm sure people have been reading the news uh, that governments are banning the use of TikTok 
in U.S. and now Canadian uh, governmental um, phones. So uh, that should tell you something that they're specifically saying TikTok is that bad. Um, Facebook is nearly as bad as TikTok. Um, the difference being that um, Facebook is American and uh, TikTok is Chinese. So um, I think that's really where the main difference is. But in terms of privacy, uh, they're roughly the same. So I recommend just removing those apps altogether. Um, but you know, you should also remove any app that you're not using anymore, right? You find some, you find some game that you're not using it anymore. Some, something that you might have used once, um, you know, maybe a long time ago. Uh, if you're not using it, go ahead and delete it. You can always, you can always download it again, right, from the store. So you know, don't be afraid of deleting apps. Uh, those are just some, uh, you know, good places to start. In terms of the apps that you then keep, um, and honestly, I think as few you should have as few of apps as, as you can. Um, check their permissions um, when you install an app on both uh, Apple and Google. Uh, it'll give you a list of permissions that the app will have. But um, sometimes, you know, if you're busy or it's been a long time, you may not have seen those permissions. So go ahead and check them out. Uh, you want to remove permissions that an app shouldn't really need, right? So let's go back to um, maybe games, right? So you've downloaded this fun game. Uh, the game doesn't need access to your contacts, right? The game doesn't need access to doesn't need to know who who you call, doesn't need to know who your friends are. Um, uh, a regular video game isn't going to need location services. Right. Same thing with the kind of utilities like, you know, uh, a flashlight app, right? A flashlight app doesn't need access to your location. If an, if an app is, is, has access to your location or your contacts, you can be sure that that that's information that they're sending back to, uh, to spy on you basically. So same thing with a camera and microphone, a video game shouldn't need camera and microphone unless it's part of the game they shouldn't need access to those things. And uh, another one that's pretty common is this nearby devices. At least that's what it's called in, uh, in Google. And what nearby devices is, is it's just, it's literally just scanning for what kind of Bluetooth devices are nearby or what kind of um, computer devices. And you might think, well, what does that actually mean? Well, it can mean a few things. Um, it can tell it can tell a company, for example, uh, if you have an Apple TV or a Roku, or what brand of television you own, right? Uh, what brand of computer you have? Uh, maybe what what brand of uh, or what type of phone your partner or partners have? Uh, if you're hanging out with friends, what kind of phones do they have? What kind of uh, Bluetooth headsets do they have? And sometimes those other devices have location services turned on. So now, you know, now you're connecting, they're connecting your your uh, phone with their phone and their location and whatnot. So um, turning off Bluetooth and turning off nearby devices is again, a really important thing that you should be doing um, uh, and restricting those permissions. And some apps um, will run just fine with restricted permissions and others won't. And uh, 
you know, you may need to make some choices at that point about uh, which apps you're going to uh, allow to have, um, you know, to have access to uh, this data, or maybe you realize, oh, gee, you know, I didn't realize that this app, uh, you know, was accessing this and it doesn't work without it. So I'm just going to go ahead and delete it. So uh, I think I added one more part here to uh, checking your identity. Uh, use the mobile version of that. Okay. So last part here is uh, checking your identity. Uh, what do I mean by that is basically making sure that no one has stolen uh, your identity. Uh, and I mean that in the, the most, uh, most direct way, <laughs> right? So check your credit card or your bank statements. Uh, make sure that there aren't um, strange uh, charges that you don't recognize. Um, I've noticed that banks have gotten pretty good about letting at least letting me know about strange charges, um, but you still want to check them out, right? Just just make sure that there isn't anything that you don't recognize. Um, if you're getting unexpected bills sent to your house, um, that's suspicious. That's something you should be looking into. Um, do give yourself a credit check. Uh, you can ask. This is for free, at least in the United States. You can ask the uh, credit bureau. Uh, you can ask the various credit bureaus for um, your credit history, and they will tell you things like how many uh, credit cards you have outstanding, all your loans, and a list of your payment history. This is a good time to look for, has anyone else opened up an account in my name? Uh, you know, things like that. That's, that's really the kind of suspicious activity that you're going to be looking for. Um, you know, there are other types of frauds, you know, for example, uh, tax fraud where someone gets your, um, your return, but, uh, these is easy stuff you can check. Um, and then at least in the United States, you can also ask for free for a credit lock so that no one can, um, open up a new account. They're good and bad about opening up, sorry, about setting up a credit lock. Um, so that's something you may want to think about. But uh, definitely periodically check to see that no one has um, stolen your identity. And to help with that, I recommend um, using, if this is something that really concerns you, there are services out there that you can pay for that will make this just a little bit easier. Um, I have never used any of these, so I cannot uh, personally vouch for them, but they all have good reviews. Uh, and they are, uh, and these are all American companies. So I'm sorry if you're in Canada, uh, the UK, or Australia, or another country. Um, I'm really speaking to the American audience. Uh, and those companies are Aura, Identity Force, Identity Guard, and Xander. Again, these are companies that I I looked for multiple reviews, looked you know looked into to make sure that they were legit. Um, and they all had good reviews and good um, policies, but, um, you know, obviously before you. Ah. Sorry about that. Uh, before you buy into any of them, make sure to uh, do, the, do your homework. So that's our spring cleaning checklist. <laughs> We've done backups. 
We've done updating your old accounts, deleting your old accounts. Uh, we've reviewed, deleted, and restricted our apps and done our identity. So we've done all that in just 30 minutes. So quite the whirlwind. Uh, I do see a few questions. Um, so I'm going to get to those questions after uh, a word from our amazing sponsor, Dating Kinky. This series, Keeping Secrets, wouldn't be possible without the support of Dating Kinky. They have been incredibly supportive to me in helping get this information out to you. So now I'm going to talk to you about their offering, Dating Kinky Plus, and why I think Dating Kinky Plus is a great deal. If you're here listening to me, presumably you care about kink education, and whether that's this series on privacy or learning BDSM skills like rope, flogging, fire play, etc., or it's soft skills like how to be a better dominant, a better submissive, relationship skills, non-monogamy skills, mental health skills, or learning about geekery and kink. Um, so if you do care uh, about this series or, or any of those topics, or you want to learn more, well, that's where Dating Kinky Plus comes in. Dating Kinky has tons of webinars, just like this one, and you can watch them, listen to them, participate live, and their library of kink educational material has, I believe it's over 500 hours of material on so many topics, like being a newbie in the scene, power exchange, communication, non-monogamy, mental health, as I said, um, geekery, and again, this series, uh, Keeping Secrets, which is all about kink and privacy. Joining Dating, uh, joining Dating Kinky Plus also gives you access to books, like the Big Book of Ass. Uh, and every time I say the Big Book of Ass, it makes me giggle. So the Big Book of Ass, FLR, Femdom and Women in Charge, and next stop, O-Town. You'll get access to, uh, to additional, in addition to all of that, you'll get access to additional features in the Dating Kinky app, so you can find someone to connect with. And so you've got all this amazing content. You've got all the webinars, all the previous webinars, all the podcasts. You've got the books. You've got the, the, um, the Dating Kinky app features, all of that for only at the time of this recording, $9.99 a month, which is really so tiny when you consider uh, how much how much you're getting, right? $9.99 a month for all of that. But, but if you sign up for six months or a year, you'll save 40% on top of the $9.99 a month. So that goes from being an amazing deal to being an incredible deal. So... Is there any other reason you should be dating Kinky Plus? Well, there is. Beyond all of the amazing things that you get for being a Dating Kinky Plus member, you also get access to live events, to the weekend events that they give, or at least discounts sometimes, depending on the event. And beyond all that, you show your support for this series that you're listening to right now, Keeping Secrets with me, Beer Koto, and you show that you care about kink education and kink privacy. So all the reasons in the world to sign up for Dating Kinky Plus today. So go to datingkinky.com and sign up. 
All right, we're going to do questions. So please get those questions into the chats. Um, I'm going to plug next month's episode. It is de-anonymization. I think we'll have a sexier title before then, but it is all about how little information it takes to figure out who you are, right? So you think, oh, I'm anonymous. I'm just doing this thing. They don't really know who I am. And of course, the companies, they all, they all sell that. They go, we don't, we're not, we're not sending information about Jane Smith. You know, we just put categories of people. Right. But just how easy is it to figure out who someone is? Well, I have I have read uh, six papers, academic papers on this topic, and I'm researching it um, as we speak. And I will be ready for a whole discussion about de-anonymization in April. So I hope you're looking forward to that because I am. All right. Well, we've got questions. Oh, AP, I love your questions. It is because you ask thoughtful, analytical, deeply interesting questions, and that they're hard, so I have to think about them. All right. Question number one regarding old accounts and what accounts to focus on. What if you don't remember your account info? Like, I don't remember old email or username for other accounts, let alone passwords or security questions, etc. Okay, that's a great question, right? So you go, oh, I think I, I think I have an account there, but I don't know. So here's what you can do: if you can still access the old email, all right. And there's the rub, right? You, need, you, need, you still need to be able to access the old email. You can search that email for the accounts, and you can use "Have I been pwned." All right. Have I been pwned will help you um, sometimes and just having access to that old email will help you. So um, if you don't have access to the old email, um, it can be tricky, right? Um, because if you can't recover your account, then it's going to be tricky to get access to it. Um, this is why I have very mixed feelings about disposable email accounts. Um, because although it seems like a great idea to just make up an email account, um, if you actually put any data on there uh, and you can't recover it, then um, well, then you're kind of up shit's creek. So uh, um, you know, uh, you're depending on what situation you're in. You you know you could be in trouble. Um, you, if it's a small service, you may be able to call them or email them and explain the situation um, if it's something that's really valuable. Uh, obviously, if it's, for example, your bank, um, you know, you could just go to the bank you know, and say, hey, I have this old email address, but here's my ID and uh, you know, here's my debit card and they'll change that for you. So uh, or if you know if it's your doctor or your pharmacy, they'll often let you do that. Um, but it'll obviously depend on the, on the service. So that's my recommendation there. Um, I want to make sure I didn't forget something. So you forgot your old email. Um, so sometimes uh, some services will let you recover accounts just by your email address. So if you remember the email address. Um, you know, you may not remember your username, but you just put the email address in there and it'll send you a password reminder 
Um, you may have to do that a few times for each email address um, that you've used, but um, that's that's my recommendation there. Uh, it's not perfect, but it's the best we got. All right, what about defunct or disabled websites? Uh, yeah, those are gone. Uh, so uh, can't, you can't obviously control uh, what's not there. Um, sometimes, sometimes the company is still around, but in my experience, they're not. And then, you know, that information is just out of your hands. It's like, um, you know, it's like if you went to a store and you had the loyalty card and then that store closes, well, maybe that information about you was sold or not. You just have no way of knowing. Um, and it, it sucks, right? Because you, you don't really have any control. Okay, regarding legal right to delete, what if you have uh, passed away and you wished for your family or a designated person to delete your accounts? Can they legally do that for you? You know what? I don't know the answer to that. Um, I think that is a great question for an attorney. Uh, I I really don't know. Um, to, uh, it's a really interesting question. I I, uh, I I can think I can think of it in both ways, right? Because they didn't, they, you know, for example, they didn't agree. So can you know can someone act on your behalf? I guess if they have power of attorney, they could. Um, but I don't know enough about um, family law to to know if they can if they can uh, log into your accounts. Now, on a practical level, on a practical level. On a practical level, you should have your passwords in some form that your loved ones can access so that they can shut down your account or at least get access to all your data. Um, that is something that I recommend um, and probably should put into practice uh, is, is making sure that uh, your partner can access all your accounts. And that's a lot easier if you're using a password manager. So if you're using a password manager, you point your partner to the password manager. Um, maybe you put the password to your password manager in a sealed envelope um, and um, put that somewhere, you know, in, in your lawyer's office or in, in a safe in your in your home and say, look, you know, don't open this unless I die. Um, you know, I think that's something that you and your partner or partners will need to, to figure out what's right for you. I, you know, I, I feel awkward saying, oh, this is the right solution. I think for some, for some couples, they just share all their passwords uh, and others. I don't share my passwords with my, with my wife. Um, she doesn't share her passwords with me. And now as we're talking about it, I'm wondering if that's not a really bad idea on both of our parts. So uh, I think we're going to have a discussion <laughs> right after this. Um, okay. What a, to follow up on defunct accounts. What about banks that are taken over like a little bank that's taken over by a, big one like Wells Fargo. Can you still access and change and update? Yeah, so that, so when, I, when a company buys another company, um, that the, the purchaser gets access to all of the data from the, from the company that they purchased. Uh, and in fact, the FCC in the United States, so that's the uh, Federal uh, Communication uh, Commission, I believe it's the FCC is looking into whether or not they want to change the rules. So that would actually require um, everyone who 
is part of a company that gets bought out to have to explicitly allow the new company to get access to their data. Um, right now, it's kind of an automatic. Uh, you have to opt out if you don't want it rather than uh, opt in. But by default, when you get a bank, uh, when a bank is taken over by another bank, they just kind of inherit everything. You know, the, the, the thing that they're purchasing are all those accounts. So, um, so that should that should answer your question. And then the new bank should have uh, instructions either that they, either they're going to keep the old site. Um, or they're going to offer a new site or a transition period. So this happened to me. Um, I'm not going to say what bank I was with, but uh, a, a smaller bank that got purchased by a larger one. Um, and for a long time, the website for the old bank just worked. Now, when you go to the to the the site for the old bank, it just redirects you to the new bank. Um, but I still use my old password. Uh, and my old username. So they've they've figured that part out. Um, but yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be something that you're gonna have to figure out with uh, with the institution. So, uh, but boy, that that question about um, about uh, death and uh, all of that that's a really really good question, and it's definitely gonna spur some discussion in my home. Uh, does anyone else have questions? I'll, I'll give you all uh, a few minutes or at least you know, 30 seconds. And um, yeah, I, I also, does anyone have questions about de-anonymization that they want to make sure that we cover next time? Because uh, if you if you give me questions now, I can make sure that by uh, next month, I can answer all of your questions. So um, any questions you have about this topic or the next topic are great. Um, and don't worry about uh, if you've got lots of questions about taking over other people. You're not talking over any over anyone. Uh, I'm reading the questions as they come. So if you've got a hundred questions, um, if you've got a hundred questions, I, I suppose I will stop at some point. But if you've got ten questions, ask all ten questions. Um, you know, you're free and encouraged to do so. So I've got, I see two people typing, so I'm going to blather on. Uh, okay. Uh, so explanation of the next uh, Keeping Secrets. Right. So um, a lot of the companies, when they are, um, when they're collecting data about you, so let's just talk about Google and, and Facebook, right? These are the, the, the big two. So Google says, we're not tracking individual, we're not selling individual data, we're selling customer profile data, right? So they'll say something like, you know, so if they want to sell to an advertiser, let's, let's make this real. So Google sells to an, Google is an advertising company and a company, a regular company says, we, we want to, we want to put an ad up. We want to put an ad up for a plumbing company, but we don't want to sell to the, uh, you know, to the whole state or the whole country, we only want to sell to these people that are in this city, right? That makes that makes sense. Um, so Google says, no problem. We'll just, you know, we'll tailor who gets your ad to being pe just people in this city. Um, and then maybe another, you know, uh, another company or uh, maybe the same company says, well, really, our market isn't 
uh, everyone in the city, it's um, maybe it's a it's a it's a, a store that sells maternity wear, right? So they're not really going to be focused on men um, or you know teens or you know women above age sixty. They're really going to be focused on women aged, let's say, twenty to to fifty. Right, that's that's their target market. Um, so they're going to say, well, I want to advertise to women who are living in this town, aged so women, aged twenty to forty, living in this town. Uh, and so that's how these companies advertise, and that's how these companies sell advertisements. But the question is, with the amount of information that a Google or a Facebook collects. How easy or difficult is it for them to figure out you, you specifically, right? So um, the analogy that's in my head is the the, the uh, board game, you know, guess who, right? So uh, you just you start eliminating people or including people by category. Uh, in guess who, it's like, does this man have a beard? Is he bald? Um, you know, is this woman... Uh, know what what race is she etc so you can you can use these questions and narrow that down so the, the the sort of central idea of the next class is how little information does it take to identify someone versus how much information is actually being collected and my my position is it takes very little information to identify you specifically almost by name based on anonymous data, right? So, so we're talking about de-anonymization, it's taking anonymous data, right? All 20-somethings, all 40-somethings, and then narrowing that down to you, specifically you. So that's the topic of uh, next class. <laughs> I, I know it's a little bit technical, um, and I'm gonna try to make it as non-technical as I can, but, um, the idea is to just to show you, you know, really get behind the breadcrumbs that you're leaving behind and help you understand uh, just what's in that uh, kind of uh, what what these companies are collecting and, and how that can be used. So, okay, well, uh, I see one person typing, so I'll let them type. Um, uh, so how can we, re how, so question is, how can we reverse the data that's been collected from these companies and opt out? Yeah, so um, we won't be covering that, but we, but maybe that's a great question we can sort of start to cover is, uh, you know, how, how do you opt out? Um, and I would say that that's a lot of what we covered today is essentially the process of opting out by deleting your data you are removing that information from the circulation. Um, it's hard because you can't go back, you can't delete the past, although sometimes you can because you've got that right to be forgotten. Um, but um, we can certainly stop it from here on out. And it's, again, some cases we can uh, go back and, uh, and erase it from those other databases. So I hope that's exciting to you, um, and I hope that that encourages you to come to our next event. Um, I'm glad that you were all here with us, and, uh, and uh, thank you so much for being here, and we will see you next month.
Sorry, you'll I'll see you next month on Keeping Secrets. Okay.